welcome to Trek Companion. This is episode 120. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I am Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we're discussing Enterprise's first season episodes, Acquisition, Oasis, and Detained. Here we go. Acquisition, Season 1, Episode 19, Production Number 119, Original Air Date, March 27, 2002, Directed by James Whitmore, Jr., Story by Rick Berman and Brandon Braga, Teleplay by Maria Jacquemitin and André Jacquemitin, Music composed by Velton Ray Bunch. Guest cast include Jeffrey Combs as Krim, Ethan Phillips as Ulis, Clint Howard as Muck, and Matt Malloy as Grish. <laughs> When the entire crew is rendered unconscious, a quartet of large-eared, bickering thieves invades Enterprise. These plunderers, the Ferengi, are determined to make off with everything that's not bolted down. The Ferengi awaken Archer by using a hyperspray and proceed to interrogate him about the location of the ship's vault. Quickly assessing that the Ferengi's primary emotion is greed, Archer uses this against them while trying to stall for time. You take them anywhere near that vault, and I'll throw you in the brig for insubordination. You don't give a damn about this crew. All you care about is your precious gold. I'm warning you, Trip. You're a greedy son of a bitch. What's your wife worth? Five bars of gold, maybe six? Let them take, Hoshi, and I'll give you ten. What? All right, fifteen. Acquisition. Okay, now, I want to start off by saying this episode was, like several of the episodes we've seen so far in this first season of Enterprise, better than I'd remembered it. This wasn't... I'm not saying this is a good episode, but it was not nearly as bad. I had a memory of this being so terrible. Um, and I was thinking about why. And I and I think that my reasons are, haven't changed. I still think the same thing. I just... I'm not as... Uh, <laughs> pent up angry about um, the decision to do Enterprise. And so I want to start off, unfortunately, by discussing something a little bit negative, because I think that despite the fact that this episode is actually all right, and if its real purpose is to kind of be a kind of humorous episode, I think it succeeded. It, it, it's, it's funny. But I think this episode is probably... Um, emblematic of what is wrong with Enterprise or going wrong with Enterprise around now. Because they started off with with such um, ambition about how this show was going to be different and do these different things and bring in um, new Star Trek fans, especially after the waning ratings of uh, DS9 compared to Next Gen and Voyager compared to DS9. Um, and they so quickly abandon all that and start doing um, stories and characters, even and species and stuff that we've we've all that we've seen before. Uh, the next episode we're going to discuss today, Oasis, is almost even more extreme. Acquisition is more like. Why are they doing the Ferengi of all things? I mean, we already know the history of that, and and it, it seems like a really tough ask if you're trying to get new people involved because they're really only interesting to pre-existing Trek fans or trying to do something with their history, etc. Oasis is almost worse because it's it almost feels like a remake of a DS9 episode. We'll get into that, but um, it's it's again just nothing nothing at all different. Literally an episode that could have been and in fact was made on one of the other shows um, so I think that acquisition is kind of starting from a bad spot and maybe that's why I was really harsh on it when it first aired um, and I've softened a bit now um, but for something that's in this show that's trying to be different it's certainly is far from different. It's 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 more of the same, and in a way, it's almost inappropriately so. So those are my first thoughts, and I'm going to say some positive things about this episode. Um, for example, Clint Howard's Ferengi has a very colorful sock. But <laughs> those are the first things. 
that I that I wanted to talk about to get the negative out of the way more. Do you guys have a response to that? Do you disagree? Agree? Does that make sense? No, I, d- I definitely agree, Brian. It feels like, um, yeah, like a normal Ferengi episode that we would have seen in Deep Space Nine or Next Gen. I think we've actually we saw some episodes similar to this where the Ferengi would hijack the um, you know Enterprise D. So. In that respect, there's really nothing original about it. They don't bring anything... To me, they don't bring anything new to the Ferengi. <clears throat> I mean, what, this is, what, 200-plus years before, um, you know, next-gen. So I think they could have had an opportunity to really... If they wanted to bring the Ferengi, may, really make them different. But um, they were pretty much the same. I'd agree. It's it's entertaining. I mean, you know, the Ferengi have always... Not always, but for the most part, have been kind of like a comic relief type of species that have been implanted into the episodes. Um, so I, I definitely agree. It's not any different than any other Ferengi episode you would, you would have seen in any of the other series. Yeah. It's kind of like, it's kind of like this episode comes across more desperate than where they were at this time in the sense that it feels like, look, we're Star Trek. Like they needed to convince somebody like, mm-hmm. look, here's a, here's a species you might recognize. And for that matter, let's stunt, do some make major stunt casting. I mean, it's, yeah. it's like it's like desperate that way. This guy was on Voyager. This guy you see all the time. Everyone loves Jeffrey Combs. Clint Howard. He was on the original series too. I mean, it's just like the whole thing is is in your face as if it's desperation to show we're still Star Trek and let's show all these nods to that. And then, like you say, it, like that, that just goes right into the next episode. The same kind of issues. You know, I don't I don't understand where they were to bring them in that decision to do that. Yeah, the next episode really feels like a next gen episode from maybe the first or second season. Yeah, I I don't, you know, there isn't as much information out there on this series. This is the this is the one series that's hard to when I do my research. There is no companion book, for example. Um supposedly there was one that was at least partially written and then they just decided never to publish it. I wish I could get a hold of that. <laughs> I actually emailed a couple of people and I never heard back anything. So yeah, I knew it was a stretch, but anyhow, um, you know, there've been like unauthorized guides, which are just mostly people's opinions and stuff, but real factual stuff. A lot of that info is not out there. And I'm, I'd be curious to know, because on one hand that would, they've talked about Braga and others have talked about how they did have these these grand ambitions about making this show different, but the studio, the network, I should say, um, insisted that they, you know, that by the end of that first pilot, that they are on the ship out there. They wanted another ship show, et cetera. They wanted it to be the to be similar. I mean, I, I kind of wonder was any of this maybe suits being involved, and uh, but. Mm-hmm. My instinct is that that is not the case. My instinct is that um, it's a little bit like what you were saying, uh, Steve. They were they were maybe getting a little concerned at this point, or, or or just already like out of ideas. Like they were burned out just creatively. Even though some of these, a couple of these people actually were from from a Voyager, but I don't know. I don't know. It's 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 a tough one. It's not like I said. If you try to be completely completely objective about it and ignore all those things about about what Enterprise was supposed to be, or are we sick of seeing episodes like this because we've already had five hundred plus? Um, if I just if I completely ignore that, this episode was better than I'd given it credit for at the time. Um, yeah, the the stunt casting is um, silly, but um, I'm a sucker for it, so <laughs> it is cool to see. Guys. Um, I, I actually here's a very positive statement. I think it's very ballsy that basically the first ten minutes of the movie have no real dialogue. I mean, they mm-hmm. have Ferengi, but since you know, assuming you don't speak Ferengi. Uh, the first ten minutes of this show don't really have any dialogue. That's that's pretty ballsy. It makes me. I'm reminded of, you know, like my top five favorite TV series of all time. One of them definitely was the original, The Prisoner. And my probably my favorite episode of that show was The Chimes of Big Ben. It was an incredible episode. If you've never seen it, audience, well, actually, 
part of what makes an episode incredible is if you already know the show. So watch a couple of episodes first and then watch Chimes of Big Ben. <laughs> but the point is, half of that show, that show has no dialogue. It's amazing. Um, so I give them credit for that. That was, you know, policy. Um, I actually think some of the stuff, you know, we don't get to see uh, Archer kind of, you know, baculate kind of do comedy. We don't get to see that very much. And I, I think he's kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think uh, um, Blaylock, to, to Pow is, um, I said Blaylock, huh? <laughs> 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 well, anyway. Uh, to Pow, um, Jolene is, uh, she's really good. That scene where she's, uh, who is it? Krim, she's like, She's almost being sensual, you know. Mm-hmm. She's 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 great. She's really funny. And then the funniest thing is how dry she is when she's has Archer's cuffs key, and she's like, "Not that interesting." <laughs> <laughs> A callback to something he said about her earlier. Um, yeah, it's funny, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, the episode is definitely amusing. I wouldn't. I wouldn't go. I wouldn't say it's a bad episode. I do. Just... What if this episode had been like in season four? You know. Yeah, in a way, it fits. It would fit better there in, a, in a, some some but ways. Maybe it wouldn't have felt so desperate, right? Right. You know, during this time, we're still like trying to get the new, trying to see the new, trying to show me why, to ex- convince me why this show exists and why I should be coming back to it every week. Mm-hmm. Um, and at no point has it been the retro, uh, the inner child. But season four, that's so much of what it is. I mean, it, and it's not just that; it's 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 good, but maybe when there's different pretenses, you're kinder to it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, yeah, what else you guys got? Is there a scene, particular scene you guys like the most in this episode? I'd kind of have to agree. You know, the the scenes with DePaul were amusing. She's got a um, she's got a good way of being subtly. Amusing. She she is she the gets, funniest Vulcan we've ever seen. I would agree. She she definitely crosses the line more than most of the other um, actors who've played Vulcans, except for maybe. We Nimoy later on, and his later on Nimoy was a little bit more lighthearted than he was early on. But I w- I would say yes to that. Yeah, she's got the she got the nuances. You know, she's it's. You know, I wish we, you know, we've had little indications that, you know, she's, there's something more to her, that she has a closer, a better understanding of emotions and a tie to all that than, than she lets on. But it definitely comes through. She's got the nuances of it down, you know, more so than someone who's just been on a ship for eight, nine months or whatever. I would say she's kind of the opposite of Tuvok. I found Tuvok to be the strictest of all the Vulcans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> He was very stern all the time. What's this episode about? Mm. That was a tough one. I was kind of thinking about it. Um, It's hard to pinpoint anything definite. I mean, the stuff that I kind of came up with, I kind of felt like I was reaching, you know, it's just, I don't know, teamwork. You know, they kind of had this, I don't know. It was a fun episode. I don't really know what they were trying to say in this episode. If they had any kind of like moral thing or any lesson to say about it. Um, I don't know. Is this something to do with Trip in his underwear? Mm, There you go. You got me, Brian. Damn it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Those blue undies. We've still never actually had a woman on our show. Uh, uh, audience, I want you to know it hasn't been for lack of trying. I have tried repeatedly over the years to get a woman to guest on our show and talk about stuff. And if we'd had one here, I assume she would have had positive things. So we have nothing for what it's about is what I'm really trying to say. Uh, I, I don't have anything. Hmm. Does this episode suck? Did you guys agree with me? Was it better than you remembered it somehow at all? For me, it was about the same, I think. 
you know, I'm not. I, I should rephrase that. I should say it didn't suck as much as I remembered. Right. right. Yeah. Um, honestly, I vaguely remembered it. You know, I was thinking. You know, it's been 14 years since I've seen this episode, so I didn't quite Wait, remember it all that. Well, when, when did this come out? Oh, one. Steve. It, it could have been 13 and a half years ago. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's let's uh let's just move on to. Six degrees for acquisition. Steve, are you going first or second? I'll go first. Clint Howard plays Muck, the Ferengi that says, I will say this for acquisition. It sure makes six degrees questions easy to write. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was worth the $2 million they spent making it right there. <laughs> uh, Clint Howard plays Muck, the Ferengi that says, whatever he finds is his. In the original series, he played... Uh, Baylock in the second episode of Trek. Name the episode. The Core of My Maneuver. Yep. Adam. Yes. Ethan Phillips plays the Ferengi Ulysses. I think that's right. That's how they said it. Ulysses. Mm-hmm. So. The leader of the quartet. Most famous in Trek for playing Neelix, of course. He first played a Ferengi in the episode of Next Gen called Menage a Troy. What season was that? Menage a Troy. I'm going to say three. That's correct. Season three, episode 24. (laughs) All right, moving on. Oasis, season one, episode 20, production number 120. Original air date, April 3rd, 2002. Directed by Jim Charleston. Story by Rick Berman, Brandon Braga, and Stephen Beck. Teleplay by Stephen Beck. Music composed by Dennis McCarthy. Guest cast include Rene Abergenois as Ezral, Tom Bergeron as alien trader Damar, Annie Wershing as Liana, Rudolph Wilrich as Captain Kulan, and Claudette Sutherland as Maya. Archer, Tucker, and DePaul partake in a spicy dinner with an exotic alien trader named Damar, discussing with him their needs for raw materials to patch up Enterprise. In exchange for a few kilograms of coffee, Damar reveals the location of an old vessel that crash-landed years ago on a nearby planet. A shipwreck that no one else has savaged because it's haunted. The, relo- the crew locates the derelict ship and goes to take a look. Breaking into the spooky wreckage, Tucker and DePaul look for engineering equipment while Archer and Mayweather try to find clues as to what happened to the ship. Leona, how long have you been on this planet? Captain Kalan told you. I want you to tell me. Why? Because our scans show your ship crashed 22 years ago. Your scans must be wrong. That's what I told Captain Archer. I said there wasn't any reason for you to lie to us. Is there? Oh, boy. Oasis. Um, Steve, why don't you start us on Oasis? Well, um... It's cool that Rene Abergenois is here, uh, of course, from DS9. Um, I, this is an episode that, you know, we already alluded to this, the, the issue with basically remaking a DS9 episode. I do think that it would be much better if, you know, if it wasn't that. If, the, if I, I have to wonder if that didn't exist already, that, mm. that episode, what we'd have here. Because, you know, I can see it saying some things. I mean, there's certain, certainly not like the most interesting episode, the most insightful episode, whatever. But um, I think it's, it's really tainted by the fact that not only is there the episode, the DS9 episode that feels so much like it and there's such a similar storyline, but we also, when it comes down to the holographic characters, it also feels like by now we've also dealt with that to such an extent because of Voyager and the Doctor and so on that we've already discussed holograms, are they real too and this kind of thing, so there's that element um, and, and it's kind of slow paced too the whole thing, so I mean I, th- I think there are, there are a number of problems but I do think it, it would be better had that DS9 episode not already existed Well certainly I wouldn't feel as ahead of it as I do. Mm-hmm. Once you feel like you know everything that's going on and the crew is still trying to figure stuff out, it just makes the episode come to almost a dead stop. Mm-hmm. Right. You know? um, and it's, it becomes, becomes kind of um, boring to get through it. Yeah. Yeah. Adam, what are some of your first thoughts? Um, I thought it started off pretty, pretty strong. Um, I would agree with you, it kind of slowed down and kind of got to a dull pace there towards the middle end because 
honestly, you know, everybody, you know, like you said, the audience had it figured out um, midway through, if not sooner. Um, the positives I would say about the episode, I like the dinner with, um, you know, uh, an alien trader, you know, the, the dialogue. Yeah, the teaser. You know, yeah, the teaser, you know, and ghost ship that's kind of interesting you know like what's going on there they go check it out um you know kind of a salvage operation not something that we've seen in previous series um so i like the setup and you know the first half of it um and like you said then it kind of just turns into like an ordinary um episode that we've seen quite often um i kind of felt disappointed at the end not just not just because you know it was, it was just because it kind of got a little bit boring. Just because Renee, I thought they could have done a little, you know, if they had him there, they could have done something a little bit more interesting with him. I didn't find um, his particular character to be. The end is really screwy for me because it really feels like they end the drama and the, and the, the concern and what are we going to do? And then there's another scene where Leanne's father comes and talks to. Archer in mm-hmm. his office and he goes, I don't want to leave. I'm happy here. And I'm like, wait, we didn't, we, we just had this scene. What's going on? <laughs> yeah. right. we, you already, we already went through all the points and the reasons why, you know, uh, it's like trip. I think the, yeah, the previous scene, like trip is like, ask the how she feels, ask her if surviving is enough. I mean, that line, that's it. That's your climax. That's yeah. who, how do you respond to that any other way except of course, this is all for my daughter, and this is the best thing for my daughter, and we're done. But then there's another scene where he has to be convinced. I'm like, it, it really feels weird. It feels really weird. And I know that couldn't have been added on for time because they wouldn't have brought Renee back for that. Something added on for time is like the next week they're shooting the other thing and they just, you know, mm-hmm. the next episode and they have they get the principals to go do some quick scene or something. Yeah. Um, so it it's indicative of... Um, something kind of missing in the writing somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I had a little bit of trouble with him. I don't know. I had a little bit of trouble believing that this character would be happy on a um, rusted out ship on a very desolate planet. <laughs> I think maybe it would have been a little bit more interesting if the mm-hmm. planet was lavish and beautiful and everything like that. It's just like, really? You're happy uh, just living inside this rusted bucket, just you and your daughter and a bunch of alligators. And I'm like, come on. Well, there's a little bit of it that it made me think of. Well, I sh- if I was um, uh, um, a more artistic guy, I would, you know, highfalutin guy, I would say the Tempest. But really, what I mean is Forbidden Planet. <laughs> <laughs> it made me think of Forbidden Planet, you know, with um, with the dad and the daughter, and this, he's the scientist, and you know, um, and. You know, that is a scenario where you've got, like, the mad scientist, basically, and it makes sense why he would want to stay there and, and not want them to come, and um, that's part of the drama. Um, but here you don't have like that. Here it seems like they're basing it entirely around his guilt for not helping prevent, you know, the disaster that caused the ship to crash or something because he went to save his daughter. Um, which is, I don't know, a little weak sauce 22 years later. Yeah. I like the bit where they find the escape pod and they, op- op- you know, in orbit and they open it up and you got the dead guy in there. Mm-hmm. And he looks pretty creepy, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that, 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 was, that was cool. Visually, there's actually some interesting stuff in this episode. Gosh, that first shot where the shuttle pod kind of lands next to the derelict vessel. What a beautiful shot! I wish it was in 1080 instead of 720. But bah. it's a beautiful shot with the with the ship and this. The I think there's the sun back there and the and the planet. It's really really cool and visually it, it's really pretty and interesting. Um, so you know, technically this episode's hitting and and Adam, like you said, they've got strong actors like even guest stars like Renee here. So. Um, I think it's a testament to all that that the episode is still okay and not terrible. Um, but you know, yeah, it, it was it was the writing uh, that hurt it. Now, Steve, you said something that's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. How would I feel about this episode if what was the name of that DS9 episode? Everybody, our audience, you remember the one we're talking about? It's um, I think it's Odo and Dax go to a planet mm-hmm. and he's investigating why the the townsfolk are disappearing. 
you know, and I there's a what it's called offhand. Yeah. I want to say shadow play, but that's maybe that, I think that's something different. I'm not sure. Yeah. Look it up. Um, he's investigating why people are disappearing, and you know, it turns out that it's there's just the one real guy, and he's programmed everybody else's holograms. Um, if that episode of DS9 didn't exist, would this feel uh, like a stronger episode, a more more fresh? I think see, I think it'd be stronger. Now, I'm not saying it'd be great. I think it would be it would be in that it would be in that category of it's too bad they have some weak writing here um, because they have an interesting concept and they have something to say. But no. because we have that episode, we also get to throw in this is like something else, and it's just you know. yeah. So let me let me take that to its logical extension. What if this episode was awesome? <laughs> if this episode was really good. We would not give two <laughs> hoots that the story was uh, kind of almost a remake of a DS9 episode. We would not care. I really don't think. I really don't think we would. If this episode was really good, maybe we'd mention it. I don't even know about that, but I don't think we would care. Right. You know, right. I don't I think it would hold us back yeah. from saying this episode is great and we love it and we want to watch it over and over if it was good. Yeah, yeah, I but think that is how you look at it. That is a look at it, heck of a know. bottle to be in. Well, mm-hmm. For there to be, you know, uh, I don't know when this when this series started. There must have been um, approximately what seven hundred and ten, or no, excuse me, six hundred and ten episodes of Star Trek, something like that. Give or take a couple of episodes. Um, and this one was after all of those. You know, the other thing it's it's funny is I always look at the um, the ratings, and it's kind of you know like it's almost like I don't know why, but I think the stunt stuff does have an effect on you know like the stunt casting or stunt even in a way stunt thing just bringing on the Frankie. But at the time, like the previous episode and this episode, they they had while well, they 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 had. They still had bad ratings. They were better than most of the ratings on the rest of the show. So it's almost like you occasionally had a few more people tuning in, but they tuned in for the bad ones. <laughs> so, of course, they didn't come back, you know. Like of the three episodes we're talking about today, I think Detained is the best of the three probably. That's who's done casting in that one too. Yeah. yeah, definitely that's true. We'll get to that. Uh, but I think Detained is probably the best of all three episodes, but it had – by far the lowest ratings of these three mm-hmm. episodes. You know? So when you've got um when you finally get people to tune in, it's um, maybe it's a catch twenty two. You know, you finally get people to tune in and then those are the crappy episodes and of course they don't come back. So I don't know. Um Oasis is not terrible. It probably is about the same as I remembered it. But I didn't think it was terrible at the time. I just don't know that when it was over, I felt like it had brought anything to Star Trek. Um, and and that's okay, but if you just love Star Trek, and you would rather have some Star Trek on than no Star Trek. And there's a part of me that's always going to feel that way. I'll be honest. I'm a Star Trek nut, and I would almost rather have bad Star Trek than no Star Trek. Sure. That's... I know that's terrible to say, um, but I would only say it between me and you know my couple of closest friends, the people that listen to our show. <laughs> um, the critic in me would never admit to that. But when you have when you have a, a podcast whose purpose is to look back on these episodes made many years ago and determine if they hold up. And to ask the question of what is this episode about, and is that does that is that still a worthwhile question? I mean, the question of what the show is about, what they were trying to ask in the show is what I mean. You know, are the themes still worthwhile? Is it, in that instance, it fails specifically in the way that it wasn't didn't fail. It's not like go back to two thousand. Um, 2001 me and 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 when, even before the show came out and I was upset that they were doing a prequel 
if you had said, well, it's either this or nothing, I would have been like, I can't wait for the prequel. <laughs> you know, I would have said that. Yes, it's true. Um, and even right now, I would probably take, I would probably take that. <laughs> I'm just saying that our podcast asks the question, does this stuff hold up? And for this show, I, it's so far, it's it's not as... Um, Brian, yeah, I definitely know what you're saying. Yeah, I'm like, I'm kind of, I'm looking forward to the next Trek movie, but I'm kind of like hedging my bets. <laughs> yeah, already I feel like, you know, Into Darkness, if if we did a review of Into Darkness now, I think I would have not as positive things to say about it. I still think JJ's first movie is, is great, but yeah. anyway, um, I don't know. So I'm not, I'm not trying to, I'm, Oasis is not terrible. If you're a Star Trek fan, you know, it's fine. If you didn't watch this episode, it's a bottle I, episode. It it wouldn't affect Starship. Do you have any guys have anything for what it's about? Well, for me, it's the same thing that the DS9 episode that's so similar to it is about. I think the DS9 episode did it better, though, in a way. And, you know, uh, and that that is the notion of you you can you can make a choice to live to, in a fantasy yeah to live in a fantasy and 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 more specifically to live in like a status quo you know you can exist you can freeze time in a way you know and in a way we can do that you know obviously we all age but you can make that choice but almost almost we're kind all, of doing that by watching an old star trek episode <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but almost always um you're, you're missing you're missing out you know if you don't if you don't choose to take a chance now and then you choose to say okay let's let's move forward you know, you can be nostalgic. You know, we, yeah, we're being nostalgic here. We're not, <laughs> we're not living in the past because we have lives too. You know, we have other things in our life. But, but um, if you don't make those choices, you take those risks, then you're probably going to regret it. And it's probably not going to be as rich of a life. And uh, it, it may take outside forces to bring that to your attention. You know, so I think, I think it's, it is saying that. I don't think it's, I think it does have something to say, but it's, it's the same thing that the DS9 episode we've spoken of has to say too. And it did it better. Adam? Um, yeah, I'd agree. Um, you know, it says something about regret and loss and, you know, with Renee's character, you know, feeling that guilt for so many years. Um, and, you know, a lot of way those that, that, that was his home and that was his family that he built, even though it really wasn't real. Um, and, you know, just kind of learning to let go and move forward in life. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. Um, these episodes now, if an episode is just terrible, that's different. I'm not talking about the really flat out just terrible episodes, but episodes like the like Oasis and Acquisition. Um, if I was like just binging Enterprise and sitting there and watching it all day and not taking notes and not talking to you guys about it, you know, I think they would be fine. <laughs> I think they would be fine. You know, great. I'm watching Star Trek. We're gonna watch Star Trek all day. Wonderful. There's my weekend. You know. Um, you know, someday I'll binge this stuff with my son when he's older, and I'm—I won't be skipping acquisition. Uh, now, again, really terrible stuff. That's different. We're talking, you know, like move along homes of the world, sure, but stuff like this. The whole point of our podcast is, you know, it is a critical analysis, so we're really we're focusing on what it is in a way that we that we don't in those more casual environments and that's one of the things i was kind of thinking about is that um you know i we have to be at least i have to be careful to not to not overanalyze it too much and 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 tear it down because again i wouldn't skip this episode i've said that before yeah. other episodes we talked about i've said i'm not the next time i watch whatever show we're talking about i'm not watching this one i've said that before i wouldn't say that about these you know Oh, we're doing now. Jolene does actually have another funny scene in this episode. We were Which talking. One? Well, when she's giving um, Trip a hard time about um, hooking up with um, oh the aliens, the Zerillion, right? Yeah, yeah. Showing some jealousy signs there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One of those. Well, she saw him in his underwear the previous episode. Ah, yes, one of your Earth emotions. That's what the jealousy. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Let's do six, six degrees for Oasis. Um, gosh, let's see. Oh, it's one to one, I believe. Mm-hmm. Steve, mm-hmm. Rene Arbjanois plays as Rawl, the dad that creates 
holographic playthings for his little girl, most famous in Trek for playing Constable Odo, of course. He first played Colonel West in Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. Who killed Colonel West? Mm. Mm, let me think. I thought this was a sort of hard question, but not... I don't know. Oh, gosh. When's the last time you watched Star Trek VI? It's been, a, been quite some time. It's quite some time. Well, you got a new TV. You should try it out now. Yeah, there you go. I don't know. Can't recall. Well, take a guess. Um, Your mama. I don't know what it is. It is not my mom. Oh, okay. <laughs> Adam, you got a guess? I'm going to say Montgomery Scott. You got it. All right. Scotty killed him. He burst into the door and shot him, and he fell out the window, and then they <clears> removed <throat> the mask, and you saw that it was actually Colonel West. Ah, yes, yes, yes. Ah, yes. All right. Adam? Yes. Rudolph Wilrick, Wilrick plays Captain Kulan, the ghost leader of ghosts. He played the character named Grax in The Next Generation, Season 3, Episode 24. Name the episode. <laughs> No idea. What's the 24th episode of this um, third season of Next Generation? The tw- season 3, episode 24. Season 3, episode 24. What is the name of the episode? Um, of Next Gen. I have no idea. Steve? Roger Troy. Yes, Menage a Troy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So okay. So this was this was checking your listening comprehension. Oh yeah. 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 Clever, yes, clever. He is one. <laughs> I said I named Menage a Troy and said and the answer was season three. And I said with emphasis, season three, episode twenty-four. And then I gave you, Adam, the same question. <laughs> uh, so that was kind of crappy. But you got Scotty. Yeah. All right. So that's not We're bad. tied. So you're tied, too, too. <laughs> you got each other's questions. That doesn't happen very often. All right, moving on. Detained, Season 1, Episode 21, Production Number 121, Original Air Date, April 24th, 2002, Directed by David Livingston, Story by Rick Berman and Brandon Braga, Teleplay by Mike Sussman and Phyllis Strong, Music composed by Jay Chataway. Guest cast include Dean Stockwell as Colonel Gratt, Christopher Shea as Sajin, Jessica D. Stone as Nara, Dennis Christopher as Danik, David Kagan as Major Clev, and Wilda Taylor as Solabon Woman. Disoriented, Mayweather and Archer slowly awaken to find themselves in a prison cell, with no idea where they are or how they got there. They soon realize they are in some sort of detention center, but are free to move about inside, and the two decide to explore the complex together. Turning a corner, the two officers run into a Sulaban woman and freeze. Not knowing what to expect, the woman doesn't attack, but rather tends to her own business until a loud alarm goes off, signaling some sort of inspection. You should have taken my advice, Captain. I know. I know. It's a big problem with me. I'm just too damn curious. Whenever I meet new people, I can't resist trying to get to know them. I'm certainly getting to know a lot about the Suliban around here. I admire your spirit of exploration, but in this case, it could get you into trouble. Detained. I, I have a note here that I should not, note to myself that I should not read the first sentence of my notes out of context. I'm not sure why. It just says Mayweather wakes next to Archer. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, this used to be a thing. Now, I remember, I may have mentioned on our show once or twice that I loved a television show from the 1980s called Simon and Simon. I really? I remember this. Yeah, I, I, maybe, I, maybe I've never said anything about it. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I liked a show called Simon and Simon. And in that show, you had Gerald McCraney and Jameson Parker playing brothers, Rick and AJ, Simon. And um, there was a television series... Oh gosh, now I can't remember the name of the show. Well, there was a show, there was a series from the late '80s, early '90s, somewhere around in there, called "Touched by an Angel," and then that show had a spinoff. I don't remember what the spinoff was, but the spinoff of that show starred Jameson, or excuse me, starred Gerald McCraney. And um, I I watched that show 
because Joe McCraney was in it. I've watched, I watch any, I don't have a lot of rules in life. Um, if I see a movie trailer that only has music and no dialogue, I will see that movie no matter what it is. Which one of them has, have I been if, seeing quite a bit of lately? Wait, oh, I don't know. Which one of the Simon Simon actors? Um, well, James, uh, Gerald McCraney has been pretty active lately. That was the next, see, another one of my rules in life. If Gerald McCraney is in your show or movie, I will watch it. Um, so I've, yeah, I just saw him in a Will Smith movie. Yes, yeah, that was that's one of the bigger roles he's had, and that's the whole reason I went to see that movie. Um, so I watched that Touch My Name Angel spinoff. I watched every episode because John McCraney was the lead, and they had they. This is in the early to mid nineties, and they were they started billing Jameson Parker and Gerald McCraney reunion. They reunite on an upcoming episode of the Touch by an Angel spinoff that I can't remember the name of. Mm-hmm. And oh my god, I was so excited! I was through the roof, giddy excited that they were going to be in a show again together. Now that show—I <laughs> know this is an aside, folks—but just give me, you know, give me this. <laughs> that show, I mean, you know, Touched by an Angels was like was like this Christian kind of show, and and the spinoff was—he was the head of this this family, um, and it was a very Christian kind of thing, and and it was a drama, and he had, he he is in the episode where Jameson Parker guest stars. He's like a pedophile that kidnaps one of the kids. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I was so crushed. Jeez, oh, it was it was painful. Oh my god. Uh, anyway, um, so yeah, it's a little like that. Yeah. You know, so, so this, <laughs> this episode is a little, a little like that. Yeah. I remember, I remember the the ads for Detained. I remember them talking about the reunion. Hey, I'm buddy. Excited about it. Oh hi. Okay. Yes. Kiss me goodnight. You sleep well, buddy. Oh, I th- I appreciate you kissing me. Thank you. No, I I'm uh, <laughs> I'm recording right now, buddy. I appreciated it. Thank you very much for kissing me. Okay, shut my door. Okay. Good night, buddy. I love you. Um, I rem- sorry, guys. Uh, I remember. I remember them billing detained as a reunion i remember them using that word i definitely do i couldn't find anything official about it but i'm positive i remember that i don't think they said anything about quantum leap Mm -hmm. but i remember them billing this as the reunion of bacula and stockwell do you guys remember that i'm positive i'm not full of it i'm positive they did this do you remember yeah yeah, i think so i think so yeah i remember being pretty excited about this episode um i'm I don't know how big a fan of Quantum Leap you were, Brian, but I think you you were a pretty big fan, right, Steve? I was yeah, a huge was. fan of Quantum I know Leap. Both I you like... guys were. I, I liked it, but I think I know both you guys were way bigger. It's, fans of it's still my favorite um, series finale episode of all time. Mm. It, was very, yes, it was very good. Very good. It's certainly <laughs> not of non Star Trek. I would agree with that. Yeah. Um. So. I will let, uh, let's see, Steve, you started the last one, right? Yeah, so Adam, why don't you yep. start off detained and the reunion. The reunion of... of Quantum Leap. Um, I see, do recall... I, wait, wait, I'm sorry. I just got to say, what, one of the things I was kind of getting at was what made the show that show so great, what made Simon and Simon so incredible was the chemistry that these two actors had playing brothers that had a love-hate relationship the way brothers would. And then they made him a freaking pedophile who kidnaps his kid. What? Okay, so I'm not being as big a Quantum Leap fan as you guys were. I will let you respond to this. But my instinct is that if I'd been given a choice, this isn't necessarily the reunion, the character I would have wanted Stockwell to play. This is not nearly as upsetting as, you know, the touch by name. Okay, okay, go ahead. Adam. Um, I do remember. I do remember the build up to this episode. Um, I was actually surprised they did it in the first season, but I guess you know they had to get the ratings up and get some old Quantum Leap sci-fi fans on board with this. Um, and we talked about this before. I was really excited about um, Bakula being the captain in this in this series because um, I was a huge huge Quantum Leap fan. Great show. I I actually need to watch it again because it's been years and years and years. Um. Would I? Would you say I would be disappointed with Stockwell's character? Back then, I think I probably was, but not so much this time around. 
I wish he was in a little bit more. I wish they had more scenes together. Um, it seems like the their scenes together were kind of short and not quite as much there. I do remember years back that I wished he would have returned as the character. I think there would have been a place yeah. for for this kind of thing. Am I disappointed that he wasn't a very nice guy? No, because if you if you followed Stockwell throughout the years, he's played plenty of scumbags. So um, he just happened to be a really nice little guy in Quantum Leap, but he's been he's been a scumbag in plenty of of movies and TV shows. So that didn't surprise me that they they went that way because he's very good at it. He's a very good actor, and him and, and Bakula being adversaries in this didn't bother me either, because. In Quantum Leap, they were buddies. I mean, they were close, had that close, not buddies maybe, but they had that close interworking relationship and they were a team. And so I can see why they went this way in this episode, just just for the contrast. And um, I, you know, I thought it worked. I thought they played, even as adversaries, they played well off of each other. Um, so, um, no, I didn't have a problem with him being kind of a evil general, if you will, as opposed to a child Lester. <laughs> Steve? Yeah, I mean, I disappointed is probably not. I guess I was just kind of like, uh, I, I was certainly excited going into it, and then I was just kind of like, eh, when it was over. You know, I, I think it wasn't, it wasn't, I wasn't disappointed that they made him an adver- adversarial character to Archer. It was more that it just wasn't a particularly interesting character to me. I mean, I, I it was just kind of, there it was wasn't there wasn't that much depth to it you know there wasn't much nuance to play i mean it'd been interesting to see him place a, a more more complex character and certainly something that could there could be some some level of redemption in the character some kind of you know mixed I don't know. It might have been better. I, I hate to say this because I feel b- bad saying this, but maybe if they'd taken Mayweather out of this episode and just had Archer in the prison camp, so there would have been more time for interaction and maybe. character building I, with Stockwell. I don't know. I, I thought it was. It was. Um... I thought Mayweather was fine, but if you want to go back and look, um, look at where they could have found some time and space I, to. I liked to... giving the African American on the show the the speech about getting over prejudice. I thought that was. Um... Yeah. No, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not saying I had a problem yeah. with Mayweather. Yeah, this yeah, episode. yeah. I'm just saying if there was a place to find more time to give um, Bakula and Stockwell more screen time, that's probably where they could have found it. But I, but I wish, yeah, I, but I wish that there was, yeah, it wouldn't have had to been a, a character that was on the same, they were on the same side or anything like that, but just some, it, it felt a little one note, you know? I mean, the character just didn't feel like it had much depth to it. Mm-hmm. And then there was also the nerd in me that kind of like always was hoping they would find a way to like bring him in, like open a cell door and have him backlit. So it would feel like quantum leap, you know, kind of a little cute little <laughs> wink or something, yeah. you know? Yeah. They, it, didn't, they it, really didn't do anything like that. Yeah. There was nothing they you know, they could have done some little thing and instead they just make him kind of like, you know, the, the butthole guy down yeah. there. That's kind of, I think if they'd done a little wink know? to a real wink to quantum leap at the time, it would have been so cheesy, but now <laughs> it would be cool. Yeah. 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 See, I like I said, I always kind of thought they would bring this character back, but they obviously never did. I thought they left enough there at the end that they could have brought this character back in some form or fashion, but I guess it just never fit in. And then they got into season three's madness, and there was you know never an opportunity to do bring bring this particular character back to resolve these issues that they had with each other. Well, you know, it is uh, the storyline in this episode. is about something in the macro universe of, 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 Enter- of Enterprise, you know, talking about the Suliban and the Cabal mm-hmm. and, and seeing one of their enemies and, and, and giving that, giving the Suliban Cold War uh, a little bit more scope than just they're screwing with the humans, you know. I mean, uh, in that sense, it is not a bottle episode. In that sense, it, it does bring something more to the universe of Enterprise. Sure. Um, <clears throat> and it has something to say. The episode definitely has something to say. Uh, yeah, I thought this episode, um, like I said, I think it's the best of the three that we're discussing today. And I think it actually had several interesting things to say. Um, maybe, you know, it goes a little too far. Maybe it's a little bit too on the nose with a couple of the messages. Um, but, and, and you know, and this is another minor thing. There were a couple of times when I felt like, I don't know, there was a scene where, 
like not the first, maybe the second scene or something where Stockwell's character, I'm just going to call him Stockwell. Like, what's, what's his character's name? The, um, Grit, oh, Grat, 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 yeah. Grat, mm-hmm. Grat, where Grat and Archer were arguing over Archer's knowledge of the Cabal and and the Ten Darren's captivity of specifically non-Cabal Suliban. And I was just thinking... Man, if you just tuned into this, you would be so freaking lost. <laughs> you know, this is just way too complicated here. Um, I, in my research for the episode, I read about how Stockwell, a lot of these lines, he was like, what am I talking about? <laughs> I was like, dude, I watched the show and I'm starting to think that, you know. And I, and I had these thoughts about, is this getting too complicated before I did my research? So <laughs> one was not affecting the other. Um, I actually I had that in my notes before I did the research. Um but there's a lot. There's enough good stuff in this. I, I enjoy this episode. I think this is actually a solid episode. Um, I I think I would even call it good. Yeah, yeah. I would call this good. Uh, it 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 keeps going. It doesn't ever stop. It it every scene has something kind of interesting. Um, not all, but some of the scenes. I would even say I haven't really seen that before. Even little stuff like 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 Tapal when when she kind of has to give the give Grat some baloney and she's like she's like I wanted to invite you to dinner and this you know, I mean she's really good. Do you that, eat me? Yeah, do you eat me? That scene is funny, you know, um, and it's effective. And then and then in the other little stuff like Trip says, oh, okay, the first thing I do when I'm when I'm down there is I'm going to take out that that gun and he does that and there's several shots of him flying around taking out little stuff around the, the camp. Um, that stuff's kind of neat. All that stuff is, is cool and fun. Um, and even the way it opens, when you first see them imprisoned, uh, you know, Archer and Mayweather, and Mayweather kind of peeks out and you see the Suliban. And I like the way that that gets turned on his head because, of course, what's, what your the first thought is that the mm-hmm. Suliban have captured them or something. But that's not it at all. They're all prisoners, you know, and that's, that's kind of a, a neat realization little twist um there's there's some i i love uh um oh gosh i'm such an idiot oh my gosh like prog uh metamorphosis <laughs> the writer who am i thinking of um kafka thank you thank you me <laughs> i love all the like kafka-esque uh, you know uh, I, I'm sorry. I don't have uh, everything you're saying makes perfect sense, and you shouldn't be here. But I actually don't have the authority to release you. <laughs> but we've got a ship coming in three days that can take you to a. Um, you know, I mean, I like all that stuff. I like the way that, that it immediately gives it drama and immediately makes me like react in a way. I'm like ah. <laughs> um, and I like how, uh, it, like I said, I think it has multiple things to say. I think it has the more obvious things, like like Mayweather's bit about, um, you know. To the other Sudaban, not the not the dad, you know. I've got I got over my prejudice um, that I admit to having. Why can't you get over yours? You know, there's that stuff. There's the really obvious internment camp, you know, kind of bits uh, that Archer literally calls out. He even names the World uh, War II Japanese internment World War II Japanese internment camp from here in this country, which is nice too because there's there's an example of something where. Even in the original series in the '60s, they would not have done that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They hadn't. They hadn't gotten to that point yet, where they realized, "Wow, we, you know, not our finest hour right there." Um, I like the ending too with Archer. You know, when he, they ask him, "Do you think they'll they'll make it?" I like yeah, the I like the exactly line. Say. Well, he says, "You know, he thinks they'll make it out of the territory yeah. safe, but he doesn't know." But then the other thing, you know, for what it's about, that I think is interesting, is this idea of. You know, when 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 Grat, I should just say Stockwell, when he uh, when he says the the bit about I I don't have the authority to release you, you know, um, Archer says okay, you know, he like respects the culture and the, this new culture that they've encountered enough just to like go sit in a prison room for you know for three days, <laughs> you know, and I and I thought that's very. Culture, but but it makes makes me kind of think about what kind of happens throughout the course of this episode. Like at what point, at what point do you stop respecting 
this other culture or law, you know, because the oppression it, it goes too far. Um, well, I think know, that happens pretty quick for Archer. Well, episode. well, I mean, you know, he has that, you know, he has that scene at night, you know, that first the, the scene where he's talking to the daughter and he gets him detained, and then the next day they have that whole conversation and he kind of finds yeah, but, out the whole side, that one, side. That's is. not. That's not because he's started being treated differently. You know, like I wonder if in that very first scene with um, Grat, the first scene where Archer meets Grat, if Grat had asked him questions about the Sulaban, then I wonder if Archer would have answered. You know, I think he may gotcha. have. So, so I, I like this episode. I think this is a good, you know, good, barely. It's barely good, but it's good. <laughs> I, I would not say that about the other ones we discussed today. But I think this episode is good. If I was watching select episodes from season one, I would watch this episode. And part of the reason I brought up um, Simon and Simon in the Touched by an Angel spinoff was because I remember being kind of being pretty disappointed. And again, clearly not as big of Quantum Leap fan as you guys, but I watched most of that show and I, I liked it a lot. Um, and I remember being excited by this reunion idea and feeling a little let down. And I think that I let that kind of affect my feelings for the episode at the time in a way that is not an issue now. So after my long-winded bit there, you know, what kind of things... First of all, do you guys think this is a good episode? Or is it, you know, we have like the scale of great, good, okay, not good, bad, right? Um, So where do you think this kind of falls on the line? Um, I'm sure today you think it's the better one, but, but... for Enterprise, as far as the series' first season goes, for Star Trek in general, where do you put this, and what, you know, what are, what do you think it's about? Um, I thought it was a good episode. I'd definitely watch it again. Um, I thought it holds up. I think we've kind of talked about what it's about for most of this um, this episode. I mean, this little discussion we've had. You know, there's internment camps. Um, what is you know, terrorism, you know, there's a lot that's going on in this episode that was kind of going on in the United States at the time. So that kind of still holds up what's keeping people safe or, you know, being free, uh, you know, there's a lot there, um, you know, racism, how to overcome it, um, how to deal with your fears of other cultures. Um, so yeah, there's a lot in this episode and I think it kind of reflects, kind of, kind of reflects a little bit about what was going on back in, you know, I want to know too. Yeah, I concur. I mean, I think it's on that kind of pretty good area, you know, in terms of the episode and, and while yeah, like you already said, it is some of the messages are kind of on the nose. It, it's definitely about racial profiling. And, um, when you, um, assume, you know, you assume that one or is like that everyone is like a one example of a certain just because of one characteristic or whatever it is. And then you, you know, the taking away the rights of those, you know, you know, there's a lot of that in history. And that's it's definitely about that. And it was relevant at the time. And I think it's still relevant now. So I think it does have a, a message. And I think it's successfully, you know, brings that across. And because of that, I mean, is the effectiveness and relevance of the message part of what makes it a good episode, or is that other stuff? No, the message still holds up today. Okay. Yeah, I I mean, I think I think it. Yeah, it it helps. I mean, that they're. If you wanted, if it's one of those that we had trouble defining what it has to say, I don't think we'd be able to say it's a pretty good episode because I don't. It's not like it's some kind of yeah. So uh, I, I think this is, this might be an episode that's an example of being about something helps it and takes it over the line so that it's actually good. And without it, that, I think maybe it would have yeah. been a little bit weak. It would have just been a fair episode if it, if it didn't have anything yeah. to say. If it was just about them being in prison and nothing else, then yeah, it would just be. And it's also it's also one of those, just be a prison break episode, right? It's also one of those Trek episodes that um, 
that you can you'll be look at well we're looking at it years later now you know you, we're looking at it years later and it's and, it, and you can define why they're telling that message at that time and it makes it interesting from a historical perspective in the same way some original series episodes are that way too you know it's yeah. uh, I think it's one of those that's going to hold up in that way well it might not be oh that's the best Enterprise episode or something like that you'll be able to look back and say like well this is interesting here's what we had to say in 2002 and here's why they're saying it and it provides that context and it's interesting. You know, I, I don't I don't know the exact date when they started putting prisoners in Guantanamo, and I'm not saying that they didn't deserve to be put there, but I know that was a debate that was going on quite a bit, you know, back then. So that might have influenced this episode a little bit too. I like that last act being basically a simple prison break, you know. Uh, and it's funny because I think it's exciting and it's done well. And there was an episode a couple episodes back. The um, was it the shadows? Shadows of Pajam? Was it the one where, yeah, the one where Shran comes back and and mm-hmm. and and, and um, Archer and Tapal are are taken captive, and that one kind of ends with a prison break, but it's it's boring, you know. <laughs> this is cool. Well, it's, it's this not is fun. necessarily this is boring. <laughs> this isn't though. I'm saying I yeah. think this is this is fun and exciting. You've got you've got you've got um, Trip in his shuttle pod. You've got Two different oh. things going on at the same time during the for the people the people on on foot to escape. It's it's cool. Anyway, uh, this episode is going over today. So, if you like long episodes of our podcast, welcome. <laughs> and if you don't, I'm sorry. Let's do six degrees for detained. Our score is two two two. Let's see. Steve has gone first the last two times. So Adam, go for it. Christopher Shea plays the Suliban Sajin, who eventually comes around and decides Mayweather is a righteous dude. <laughs> he twice played the Vorta Kievan on DS9. The second time was in The Magnificent Ferengi, in which his character is killed by Quark's cousin. What was Quark's cousin's name? Oh, he used to say it all the time. My cousin. Yes, no, his cousin who owned the moon. Um, oh god, I'm just gonna take a shot in the dark. Brax, no, Steve. Oh man, I'm trying to come, <laughs> trying to come up with it. Um, just not, just not get, not not coming to me. Gala. Oh yeah. Gala. Cousin Gala. All right. The score is tied, Steve. This is for the win. All right. Dun, 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 dun. Dean Stockwell plays Colonel Gratt. Stockwell and Bakula are best known for their time, of course, on Quantum Leap. That show ran for five years. From what year to what year? <laughs> God. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> 88 to 93. Hmm. I have 89 to 93 here. Hmm, must have started midseason then. Maybe we should look. Should we look that up? No, you're probably right. I did, first season probably just started mid-year or mid-season kind of thing. Didn't they cancel it for a while too, and it got brought back? I don't think so, but uh, um, that's probably why, though. So there yeah. you go. All right. Well, <laughs> and you, maybe you, you win by you, you didn't get you didn't give uh, him a chance on it too. So I guess we're kind of default. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tie. Everybody wins. <laughs> oh, everybody gets a, a medal. Everybody gets a ribbon. <laughs> 2015. All right. Guys, did you guys see the new, There was they released a, a new trailer for um, the new Bond movie today? I haven't seen it yet. Oh, man. No, check it out. Check it out. I'm, I'm excited. Sure, I'm excited about Star Wars. Everybody's excited about Star Wars. But I don't know. I'm, I might actually be more excited about about the new Bond movie. I don't know. Maybe not, but hey, Christoph well, to... playing the villain. How awesome is that? Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Will you get to do the Star Wars premiere? No, I don't. No, I don't think so. It's, it's, yes, I go to, I go to the Marvel premieres because my wife works for Disney, but it's, it's a very specific, Disney doesn't, Mar- Marvel does these, this, these crazy huge premieres, mm-hmm. but Disney doesn't do that for any of their other movies. You would think they would, but no, they don't. It's they're all very small, not very many people. I, I would so think they would they, do a big one for Star Wars, though. I know, but they actually it's it's weird that Marvel does this. I'm not sure why, but mm-hmm. you know these huge they they rent out the Kodak, which is way bigger than a normal theater and stuff. So, 
I'm guessing that no, I wouldn't get to do that. Well, the movies but, make a crap ton of money, so they can afford it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, no, no, I'm excited about Star Wars. You know, I, hey, I I waited in line. I think I talked about that on this on our show. I waited in line overnight for the celebration back in April, so I could you know, see the the new trailer a few seconds before everybody else in the world. <laughs> um, but no, this the new Bond trailer. It just looks cool. I just want to watch it. What's it called? You know, like, is it Solaris? What's, it, what's the name of the movie? No, it's Spectre. 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 Yeah, my bad. yeah it's rev, you know reference to the original Spectre. I mean, we're all we all have a pretty good guess about who we they've they've said the the character name that Christoph Waltz is playing, but it's it's not the character that we all assume he actually is, based on the title of the movie. And I won't spoil that for people that don't know Bond or whatever. But you know, anyway, I mean, I, I was just I was I was pretty excited to watch that today. Check it out, folks, if you haven't seen it. So. Um, thank you for spending an hour with us and uh, you can follow us on Twitter that is at Trek Companion let's see our Facebook listener page is facebook.com slash Trek Companion you can send us an email trekcompanion at gmail.com we read all our emails I promise you um, we do have female fans I talked about this earlier We've just I've just never been able to get one to come on our show you see, that's the difference. I've gotten emails. But anyway, <laughs> I'm just making it sound more, more pathetic. <laughs> I will stop. Anyway, thanks again, folks, for spending an hour with us. And we look forward to uh, a couple weeks from now. I, I think we're doing Vox Sala, the weird, creepy one where everybody gets like cocooned or whatever. And then what I remembered as being my second favorite episode from season one, Fallen Hero, the one with the Vulcan ambassador. So we'll see if that holds up as much as I loved it at the time. Um, I'm excited to do that so until next time take it easy bye guys see you I passed it.